It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson, with Bob Lapine. So after 41 years of marriage, yes, which has been awesome, <laughs> okay, yes, uh, what would you say is different about me mm. from maybe the beginning? Oh, that's a good question. Welcome to Family Life Today, where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson. And I'm Dave Wilson, and you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. What would you say is different about me from maybe the beginning? Please be nice. I no, totally will be nice. Whatever yeah. you want to say. Okay. You are way more other-centered than self-centered. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? You, you, what did you think I was going to say? I had no idea. I just wanted to know what you are okay, thinking. Okay, what would you say? Oh, that's kind of scary. No, I think we've talked about this many times. You are so affirming. You believe in me. I feel so believed in. And for anybody, that really matters. But for me as a man, that is one of the greatest gifts anyone could ever give. I feel like that about you, too. Like you, this is like this is our session right now. I feel like you believe in me way more than I believe in myself. And that's a great place to be. I'm laughing because we have sitting across the table in our studio a therapist who's probably analyzing us right now. Like, oh, boy, I can see all their childhood uh, wounds coming out. I'm glad she didn't see us back in the day, hon. Let's just say that. Yeah. But we've got Deborah Faleto with us, and she is a therapist and an author and a mom of four kids. And, I mean, and, uh, you know, your first book was really about dating, right? But Yeah. Your first book about dating. True True love dates. But you've moved on to write about marriage, and we're also going to talk about some other stuff in terms of psychology that you wrote. But we was, first of all, I want to say thanks for being here. It's great to have you and your husband, John, in, in town in Little Rock. Yeah, and thanks our last, for having us. Yeah, this is our last week of recording in this studio. You're mm-hmm. ending with a bang. We are ending yeah. with a bang. <laughs> we are. I thought for sure Anne was going to say the haircut. <laughs> oh, why oh, didn't I say you? that? You know, you or mentioned. did you have the same haircut? I guess I wouldn't know. I thought you mentioned something about sarcasm earlier, how it's hurtful. <laughs> I thought I was being just honest, but I'd say that was pretty honest, and that is a big change, for uh, sure. I think it's funny. There was a day when that bothered me, and now it's just like, I love being a bald man. Low maintenance. Yeah. That's right. Nothing to do. No shampoo budget. None. Yeah, to shave in <laughs> well, the shower. Well, you both look great. Let me just affirm that. You're so sweet. Well, your book, Choosing Marriage, let's... Talk about this subtitle. We've yeah. already talked about many things, the walls that we bring in. If, if you missed uh, our mm-hmm. previous conversation, you got to go listen to it. But the subtitle is why it has to start with we over me. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing it has some, I know, I've read the book, talking about going from pride, humility, or the selfish problem in our marriages. Help, yeah. us, help us out with this. Yeah, we is greater than me. I think that is the formula 
for a healthy marriage. Hmm. When you think of marriage, I think oftentimes we look at it like a competition. Hmm. You know, who's doing more around the house? Who is has the most power in the relationship? There can be this competition rather than seeing us as truly one. Yeah. When we're truly one, it's a we thing. And now I am beginning to lose myself, but in the best way possible. When John and I met, you guys didn't hear this story at lunch. I used to go by Debbie. Everyone called me Debbie. When John and I met, he literally just started calling me Deb without even asking my permission. And it was kind of funny because at first it threw me off. I'm like, I don't like the word Deb. Like, Debs are like serious and <laughs> Debbies are fun and Debs are like, you know, boring. <laughs> yeah. But he just started calling me Deb and it stuck. So now, 14 years in the marriage, you can tell by how, how someone knows me by what they call me. If they call me Debbie, it's the pre-John era. Oh. My parents, my cousins, my high school friends. If they call me Deb, it's the post-John era. Right? <laughs> if they call me Deborah, it's work-related. Yeah. There you go. But I use that story because, in a way, I lost part of myself when I got married. My name shifted, even something as small as that, but but in the best of ways, because in marriage, God calls us to lose ourself, mm-hmm. our selfishness, all of the things that he didn't call us to be, not our personality and not our hobbies and interests and our calling, but all of the things that God didn't intend for us to carry, those sins and struggles. We come to the table of marriage to be sharpened, to be changed, to grow, to mature. That's so interesting because I'm thinking about when I was a young mom with three boys under five, I would continually say, I have no life anymore. I have no life anymore. And then as my kids got older and I got older, I was I changed that. Like, oh, that was such a wrong way to see it. My life did change. Everything about it changed. But there was beauty in that change. I saw it as, oh, I can't do this anymore, and I don't have time to do that anymore. And yet there's this beauty to that. And I think marriage can be the same way. It is different. It's no longer me. It is we. And you're saying there's a real beauty in that. There is, and it's something that's so unnatural. Because as a single person, your whole life is dedicated to self. Yes. You're thinking about yourself, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to go, your schedule, your budget. It is just about you. And all of a sudden, you have to share everything (laughs) from the remote to the fridge to the bed. I mean, someone told me before I got married, invest in a king-size bed. And I was like, what kind of a marriage advice is that? She was right. You know, like everything. And there's so much that you have to learn to overlook with regards to the minors mm. so that you can reserve your energy and power for the majors, the things that really matter. Um, not everything can be a big issue. I actually think of our what would I call our bathroom drama. When it comes to, <laughs> let me talk to you a little bit about selfishness. When it comes to just something as simple as how we get ready, you know, John's side of the sink looks pristine. Dave, as if we too. just moved in. There's nothing even on the counters. Nothing. Yeah. My side is like a little bit chaotic, but I know where everything is, you know. And then the toilet paper roll, like (laughs) these little tiny things that start 
bugging you. He he is the king of leaving like one square left on the roll. <laughs> or you know? when they've used the toilet paper, there's just the cardboard. Or the cardboard. Yes. So then I'll go replace it. I've never done that, by the way. Okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll replace it, but... <laughs> But I'm I'm just like I'm not gonna put it on, so I just prop it on Come there. On. <laughs> like we're both annoying in different ways. Yeah. And I think that's the stuff that begins to come to the surface. I mean, it becomes a really as you've written about and you know, a big deal that you don't foresee how These selfish you really are, you know, until you get married. So how do we deal with our own selfishness? Because we want to deal with our spouses, but we really need to deal with our own. How do yeah. we move from pride to humility? Well, I think it's important to first and foremost recognize our selfishness. Mm. I, when we're oblivious to it, we have no hope, mm. you know, to really do an assessment between us and the Lord, like, God, just open my eyes. Like, what are the areas where I am holding on to self, elevating self? And then something else, too, that I really think helps is just changing my mentality and seeing the ways that God has forgiven me and what mm. God has done for me. And it kind of begins to change my heart to extend that same grace to my spouse. And and I do believe it starts with the little things in marriage. In the surveys I did, I surveyed over a thousand singles and a thousand married couples to get some data for this book. And it was really interesting because the majority of married couples said it's not the big things mm. that they feel are destroying their marriage, like addictions and pornography. Not that that's not an issue, but what's actually affecting their marriage day in, day out is these little things, hmm. these little lifestyle selfishness type things, the tension that begins to build. I mean, think about it. Most of these arguments that we have are about these little things. And if we don't learn to extend grace, to communicate in a healthy way, if we don't learn to build those muscles with the little things, when the big things come, we're not going to be able to handle them. Mm -hmm. And so it really does start with learning what it looks like to be selfless in the little things. But I will add, I think a lot of Christians are walking around believing that they're being selfless when they're actually being passive. And that's something I think is really important to differentiate. Yeah, yeah talk, talk, about that. talk about that. That's interesting. Passivity is when you're not communicating your needs. Passivity is when you don't know how to say no and you're just doing things out of guilt. Passivity is when you don't want to rock the boat and cause conflict, so you'd rather just not talk about something. That ends up destroying your marriage because you cannot be passive and not expect that there's some root of bitterness that starts to take hold of your heart and life. Maybe you're not actively saying it. You're being quiet and you're letting your spouse kind of lead and, and you're, you're not saying what you need. But deep down, the root of bitterness and resentment begins to kind of creep into your heart. You can only be passive for so long until it starts, it's going to come out in some conflict or argument or rage you know what i mean and so so i think we have to really be cautious and say selflessness is thinking of others first but that doesn't mean that i don't communicate what i need hmm. that doesn't mean that i pretend that i'm fine when really i'm not because that actually ends up causing more damage to the relationship than good i think i did that a lot in our younger years when we were first married because i thought i'm not going to bring it up because it's not that big of a deal, and I want to be this good Christian wife. And so 
I found myself stewing about things, you know, and when I would go back and think about what was I thinking about in my head, I was constantly complaining about Dave over little things, as you said, Deborah, like he never puts his dishes in the dishwasher or why isn't he praying with the kids or why is he gone again tonight? And But I didn't say anything. But, man, I would keep thinking about it. And then I would kind of pat myself on the back like I do this and I do way more than he does. I think that's typical in a lot of marriages. But then what would happen because I didn't say anything, then I would just blow up right. at one time. And Dave's thinking, what is happening? Where did this, <laughs> Where did this come, come from? from? Right. Is that kind of typical? Absolutely. It's very typical. And and if you really get to the root, the question is, why am I not communicating what I need? Maybe you don't know how to put it into words. Maybe you don't think it's serious enough. Maybe you've grown up just kind of stuffing your needs or not feeling like they're important. And so the question is, why? Yeah. What makes me passive? Because when you get to the why, then you can begin to resolve things. And it's so important to be able to feel that you can share with your spouse what you need. So talk to a listener that maybe has done that. They are listening and thinking, that's exactly what I've done over the years. What's our next step? You know, how do you take that step into that conversation? First starts with learning to identify your needs. I think sometimes we stuff those needs for so long and it turns into criticism. Yeah. My spouse isn't helping with the dishes. He doesn't do anything around the house. The question is, what do I need? The answer, you know, I'm feeling burnt out, feeling exhausted. I need some help. I need Mm. support. I need to feel like you're a teammate. When you can figure out what you need, it begins to become about you rather than about your spouse. And and that's how we want to approach the conversation. You don't want to go up and say, Dave, you're just so lazy. I do everything around here. You're not helping. I may have said that over the years. (laughs) Was I? You're like, was you in that conversation? Yeah. But more of... Dave, I'm feeling burnt out. I'm feeling exhausted. And it would mean so much to me if. Because now it's about me. I'm not attacking him. Now it's about me and what I need and what I feel versus about him and what he's not doing. And Because that totally changes the dynamic of the conversation. Mm. And you can still have a positive conversation and share your needs. I think sometimes people think that sharing what they need and being honest is always going to lead to conflict. Yes. But that's not the truth. And and I think sometimes maybe as a Christ follower, you don't want to share what you need because it feels selfish. Right. It's not about me. It's about laying down my life for you. (laughs) I'm not going to bring out my needs because then it's about me. But you're saying that could be a positive way to actually serve your spouse by saying this is what I need, right? Absolutely. Okay, I have to give her this example. And as a therapist, I'm going to ask Deb, like, okay, what would you do with this? I have no idea where you're going. (laughs) This could be scary. We've shared this before, but when our kids were little, I was having a day that I felt overwhelmed. And I I was sitting at the kitchen table crying. No, no, don't. Don't tell them this story. (laughs) I just want to see what she would say. So I'm crying and I say to Dave, like, I am the worst mom. I feel like I'm failing. I can't keep our lives together. Our kids were all little. And I was super vulnerable because I was at my wit's end and I'm crying. And this is, he says, I'm going to be right back. Okay, this is a really bad illustration (laughs) of what 
Okay, I was very young and didn't know what I was doing. I know, and you would never do this today. So he goes upstairs, he comes down with a 3 by 5 piece of paper. Actually, it was this big. Oh, it was? Yeah, it was that big. And I thought, when I saw it, I thought... That's about an 8 by 10, isn't it? 7 by 10, 6 by 9. He wrote me an encouraging note of encouraging me as a mom and a wife, like, you're doing a good job, honey. That's what she thought. And so he handed me this paper, and it was numbered 1 to 10, and I thought... He's, like, written ten reasons why I'm a good mom. <laughs> and I said, oh, look. And I put it, I held it in my hands, and, it, and I said, and I read it out loud, number one. And I look at him like, you are the sweetest. Get more organized. <laughs> <laughs> number two. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wait, this has to get better. Use your time more wisely. Okay, that's enough. So you I don't need said to keep to him, going. Like, what is this? He goes, I went upstairs and I prayed, and this is what God gave me. I said that. I and actually I said, said that. do you think this is from God? This is from Satan. And then I took it and I ripped it up and I threw it in his face. She threw it right in my face. And so here, here, I'm trying to be vulnerable and not withdraw. And so, like, as a therapist, yeah. we're in your office. Mm-hmm. What would you say when your spouse doesn't respond in the way you were hoping? Here's what I would say if this was a therapy session. Yes. You, you wouldn't say you're married to an idiot? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I would start by saying, Dave, I'm proud of you that you tried to meet your wife where she was at. That's a great See, step in the right this direction. Is why she's such a good I therapist. would pay $150 for that. That was A for effort. Your heart was in the right place. And now I need you to spend some time listening to Anne to figure out what actually works for her. Because what works for you is a list of things we need to change. But that's not what works for her. So, Anne, you've got to get better at telling Dave in those moments what you need. Because he can't read your mind. He's a completely different person. He doesn't know what you need in those moments unless you tell him. And that really was our conversation. This was a breaking point for us in terms of it took us to a better yeah, place. I mean, Actually, when she did rip it up and throw it and say, this is from Satan. You yes. had a great question. I said, yeah, what do you need? What, what do you help need? Help me understand. And, and, and she Anne, told here's me. where you went wrong. You shared your feelings mm-hmm. and you stopped there. So I want you to share your feelings as well as what you need. Oh, that's really it's, There's good. two parts to it. It's yeah. like, here's how I feel. Well, Maybe he doesn't know what to do with those feelings. Do you want me to Which pat is you on the back? Do you want us. me to jump up and down? Do yeah. you want me to cry? But when you tell me this is what I feel and this is what I need, mm. then I have a, a roadmap. Okay, now let go one step further because I'm thinking of all the women that I talk to. And so they'll say, so I did that. I said, this is what I need. And I did tell Dave, like, I need you to sit in it with me. And now I do. And he does. But I've heard some women say, so then I told him, this is what I need from you. And my husband has not done anything since I told him that and I was super vulnerable. And then that bitterness has started. So how, how would you counsel them? I would look at it as marriage is not a once and done conversation. This is a process and we're being molded and shaped with each conversation. Hmm. This is a work in progress. So we keep sharing what we need. We keep giving clues. We keep connecting with one another. We keep seeing what the other person needs. We keep making deposits before we make withdrawals. We keep seeing our role because that's the only thing we have control over. That's good. And then we trust God with what we can't 
control. So this isn't a once and done thing. I mean, it it takes you so many years to get to this place of dysfunctional interactions. Hmm. You can't expect them to go away overnight. Yeah. It takes years of unlearning and relearning and learning what the other person needs and having conversations and there's even a a roadmap called the speaker listener technique, mm-hmm. which you might have heard about before. Yeah. It's it's from the Gottman Institute, but I kind of give you a layout of what does it look like to even begin to have a conversation about what you need and what you're feeling. Because some people don't even know where to start. Mm. Yeah, I so so when you begin learning these things. Give yourself grace. Yeah. Give your spouse grace. This isn't an overnight thing. Training for marriage, just like training for a marathon, just like training for medical school, takes a significant amount of time and energy and effort and work. Mm-hmm. And when you begin to do those things, it's going to start moving in the right direction. And as you say in choosing marriage, it's choice after choice, and a lot of them are little. And I know... For me, when Ann told me that, this is decades ago, here's what happened. I began to understand, oh, this is what she needs. But here's the trick is when I'd be in other situations and I would know what she needed, I would still feel this selfishness in me like I don't want to do it. Hmm. And that's where I would like, Jesus, change me. I can't do it. I don't have the power within me to serve her right now. I know what serving her looks like. She's told me. I don't want to. And it's like that's where the power of the gospel, I think, yes. meets us and says, I'll give you that power right now. And then little choices like that piled on top of each other, you have a whole different marriage. Yeah. You just start one choice at a time to say, Jesus, I surrender. Give me the power to be the man, the woman you want me to be, and then walk into that. Amen. Like we talked about in our last conversation, with my God, I can scale any wall. <laughs> And that's the key. It's not just the wall. It's not just me, but it's with my God. Yes. Psalm 18, like, I can do this with God's help. Whatever that wall is, conflict or bitterness or resentment or exhaustion, Mm. like, God can give me what I need to overcome this into a fruitful, positive, beautiful, grace-filled marriage. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to impact marriages in your community? Consider hosting a day together, a one-day marriage conference that focuses on developing oneness in marriage. We have trained speakers that will come to you to present humorous but biblically sound messages of hope. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website at families.powertochange.org.au under the Conferences tab. We hope you can join us again on Monday right here for another Family Life Today.